Here we go. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me, as always, Mr. Gabe Gums, the luscious Gabe's, Gabe, Gabe's Gums. What with the not double gonna, S's there, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna keep I'm not, rolling with it. I, I'm, I'm good. not gonna. I'm not gonna it's, give that one back. I'm t- no. I'm taking that one. That one's mine. All right, Friday. It's Friday. It uh, Gabe, Friday. How, how you doing? doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks. I'm always excited to to record on Friday and, and and meet new people. And and to that note, I'd like to introduce a very talented man here, Mr. Jim Manico, founder, secure coding instructor at Manicode Security. Jim. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure to meet you, Cameron. And Gabe, you know I love you. It's great to be on your show. I've known you for about 10 years now. I've always been a fan of your work as a professional, so I'm just real happy Stop to be it. here. Stop it. I, I look up to you, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been too long since uh, since we've connected. This plague is just, well, it's plaguing us. How have you been? I, I've been doing great. You know, I I, I spent the uh, the pandemic just working a lot because I'm not traveling as much I can book more classes for secure coding. And because so much of, of everything has moved online during this time, I see a lot of companies having an uptick and ask for me to teach classes. So, and and frankly, it's 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 not just about the money to have like to be the money doesn't hurt any, but to be <laughs> busy and to have something to do for the whole pandemic. Like I haven't had a lot of time to like sit and stew. I've I've been either doing paperwork or getting my business dialed in or just teaching, Jim. teaching, teaching. So it's, uh, so the pandemic's been, been okay for me. I just keep Jim, I've known you for 10 years. You've literally never sat and stewed. I mean, no. I, I know no one who's had more wheels up, wheels down Twitter photos than you. Like it's, there's no sitting and stewing, but for our guests who haven't known you that long, tell us about yourself. My name is Jim Manico. Um, I'm the founder of Manicode Security. I'm a pure play secure coding for developer education firm. And I have uh, five or six different instructors who teach different specialties in the area of secure coding with me. And we do it all remote these days. Um, it's something I, it's not just the the work. I feel like it's important work. I feel like it's, you know, part of my life mission. And it's something I love doing because I can incorporate technical skills with like entertainment skills. Like I'm, I try to do a little show to, to keep developers engaged. So I think like the energy and the, the positive energy and a little bit of bad jokes along the way, along with technical instruction is critical to keep folks engaged and make it a positive experience. I'm, I'm also a big OWASP volunteer and yeah. I've been doing more volunteerism with OWASP that's technical in nature. I'm one of the leads for the application security verification standard. This is a bunch of secure coding requirements for web developers. Yeah. And I'm one of the leads for the OWASH cheat sheet series, which is like a living encyclopedia of secure coding knowledge. That's me in a nutshell, Gabe. Cam, he's got your he's got your dream job. He gets to entertain and and teach technical things. 
I need to, I need to meet up with you more uh, <laughs> offline here, Jim. That, have you that's ever been my dream. To a, Cameron, have you ever been to a security training where somebody spoke at you monotone for eight hours? Ever been, isn't, ever been to that? that isn't that most of them? <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. It's like, I, I literally, I literally like if after about three or four hours of listening to monotone conversation, I'm like thinking about where I'm going to bury the body after class. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. <laughs> I can't do it. And, and I don't think developers or any technical professional should have to stand for that. Anyone who's in the world of education should realize this is part like being a compelling speaker and not just for an hour, but right. being a compelling speaker for a lot of hours. And it, it takes work and effort to mature that part of, of the discipline of instructor led training. And you got to study like I'm I'm absorbing material or reading standards or learning new things on a daily basis to keep up with the with the, the craft of secure coding. It's a lot of work. And I, I yeah. love it. That's amazing. And you're, you're absolutely right. And I think when anybody thinks back of their childhood in school and college, whatever, if you, you always remember the weird teachers that just entertained you, you actually you learn more from it. You calling Jim weird? No, not at oh, all. Right. That's okay, not a bad he's right. word. He's right though. I mean, no, I know okay he's right. That. He's absolutely. very, very accurate. Though. I mean, think about Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy. Everybody loves him. Love oh, him. Why? Because he's, Bill, I don't. Man. Yeah, he's crazy. I love it. That's exactly why it, it works. But why I like his crazy is because he's crazy in a very upbeat, positive way, right? Yes. That's, that, that's the secret. It's real. He's really trying to like to like educate and, and lift people up along the way. Like if exactly. when my class ends, if everyone is drained, then I don't feel like I did my job right. I want class to end where people are tired, but. They, they feel like excited from the experience to some degree. And that's, I feel the same way when watching Bill Nye. At the end of it, I'm like, God, you're weird, Bill. I learned <laughs> something and I feel good about it. And that's, right. that's what I'm trying to pull off. And it's it's not easy. It's it's hard work and it's a discipline. Indeed. That's amazing. So, Jim, the show is about the intersection of security and privacy. And Oh, yeah. I love it. I love me some privacy game. Right. Well, privacy. Yes, 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 yes. You've been with OWASP for a while. I'm going to I'm we're gonna play a little bit of trivia and I'm going to connect some dots for the listeners. Uh, the top 10 vulnerabilities, the one of them has been on that list like forever. I don't even know if it, it's been just like honorably retired. W- which one is it? You mean the, the, the oldest one on the list? Yes. I, I think I think number one, still number one. I think injection was injection. There still from number the one. Beginning. Literally and, still number one. SQL injection was coined as a term at, by Jeff Forrestal at a Usenix meeting on Christmas Day in 1998. <laughs> I just, just want to throw that out there for you, Gabe. So we've known about SQL injection for over 20, for over 20 years, and it's been on the OWASP top 10 from the very beginning. It's very still, beginning. still number, still number one. one. And here's the reason why I bring it up. You know, this shows, again, that intersection of security and privacy. That one vulnerability in particular is single-handedly responsible for the violation of more people's privacy and their private data than you can shink that, that then I can point a stick at. Like I'm with you. And so we don't talk. I think you're the first time we've ever had the conversation on, on the show about, uh, Secure coding. We talk a lot about a lot of other types of security controls, everything under the sun. You name it, we've talked about it. We've talked about SASE. We've talked about firewalls. We've talked about every other kind of, of control that you can have to secure your data and the data lifecycle. But I don't think we oftentimes think enough about how we do that 
at layer seven? How do we do it where that information is created, where it's ingested, where it comes in, where we take it in from our customers in the first place? And also where we're assembling logic to display that information out to the users to, to send that. So we need proper SQL construction, both on receiving data and how we disseminate data. And you ready, Gabe? This is the most important secure coding technique. I'm going to bust it out. Give it. It's a technique called query parameterization. It's a matter of you don't want to assemble a database query in your code by using string building, like a little snippet of query and then a piece of user data, a little snippet of query and then user data. That's how, it's easy to do it that way, but it's incorrect from a security and performance point of view. We want to do it in, in something called a parameterized query, and it's a really straightforward construct. And Gabe... It's a way to test if someone knows their stuff about secure coding. If they're going to tell you, oh, use data sanitizing to stop SQL injection, they are not an expert in that topic. And so it's usually my like first question to test an architect or someone who claims to be a secure coding expert. you got to know this technique, query parameterization. And Gabe, if you want, I can bust out slides in your podcast and show you. I'm not going to do it yet. I'm just saying. Here's, here's what you can do. We can put them in the show notes. Like, put put a link. We'll put a link in the show notes and, like, put them up on manacode.com slash privacy, please, or something. And we'll put a link there so, so that people can grab the show notes or whatever you want. But, you but, it, but take take our listeners through a journey of secure coding because I'm not sure how many, how many folks uh, – listening are are really that intimately familiar. I've lived and breathed that world for a while. Um, this this is your life's passion. But but take our listeners through a journey and and maybe even the history of secure code. Has a that's a hard one. You know there 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 really isn't that much of a mature history on it. A lot of the algorithms and techniques that we need to do secure coding are 20 or even less than 10 years old. And a lot of the standards that we need to build a secure web application, things like content security policy and similar, these are standards that have only been around for a couple of years. So what what else, I'll kind of like divert your question, but we are still as an engineering discipline across the world, we are still really new at building secure software and we're not doing a good job of it, Gabe. Overall, we're doing a pretty poor job because a lot of companies, their their focus is we have to hit a delivery date. We have to get stuff out the door. We have to compete in the market. And security tends to, and, and people debate this in different ways. Well, let's be real. When you have insecure software and you want to go, especially legacy software and make it more secure, it's going to slow you down. It's going to throw resources into the problem that doesn't add to new functionality. So a lot of companies are hesitant to really change their whole culture around software development to do security. Yeah. So there's, I, I don't know where this industry is going to go. I don't know where secure software is going to go, but look at, look at Microsoft exchange. One small problem in code led to server side request forgery, Oof. which lets attackers go after a, a exchange servers that weren't even patched for a couple months and use that to attack internal infrastructure because of one mistake. And like, do you think the exchange team does good security? Like my guess, Gabe, is that they do, that they do take secure coding seriously. They made one mistake and it led to like mammoth infrastructure attacks for users using exchange. So it's, 
It's just not an easy, easy problem. And it's, there's no clear solution when we look at it today. That's why I still teach. Right. You know, a, lot, a lot of folks tell me, oh, education doesn't solve the problem. I, I agree. It doesn't solve the problem. But I'd much rather have developers with security knowledge working on my team than those that are ignorant, right? You think education's expensive, right? Try ignorance. And so we yeah. need developers, at least today, to have some measure of awareness um, when it comes to building secure software. You don't get that for free. Nice. That's super interesting. This is this is really new to me. I mean, I, I'm familiar with coding, but secure coding, if you if you think about it, that's like that's like the first line of defense for a company's security and privacy. Because of the example that you just mentioned, which I I'm not as much of a like security background as you and Gabe by any means, but hearing that is just I don't know. It just kind of opens my eyes, and I don't know if it does for our listeners, but this is super super interesting, and this ties in with with privacy more than anything, because you said that one mistake, that one mistake by one person, caused that that issue just because yeah. the of coding. You know, it's not going to be good. The first time someone executes a SQL injection on a data subject access request form, on the very form where you go to request information about your privacy, the second one of those forms is is using just the old school sanitization and someone is ma- manages to extract all the information about all of your customers through that form. Exactly. That, that, that story... And I, I just did it. I just summoned C- Cthulhu, by the way. I, I apologize to whoever this happens to. But that's that's going to be a thing. But let's kick it up a notch, Gabe. How about this? Suppose you have good, secure software, but you have a marketing team that's connecting to the same database, and they're building like a quick and dirty marketing site without as much secure rigor, and not as many of your developers are keeping an eye on this. Let's say that marketing website, using the same database as your production application, they forget to do SQL injection in one area. And as an attacker, when I see that vulnerability, I can point a tool, an open source tool like SQL Map at that vulnerability and say, go. And it will extract the entire database from that one form. And, and it's not just like extracting some data, but it can use specialized timing delay attacks to steal your entire database from that marketing site that's not getting as much rigor as your production application. And that's it. That extracts the entire database in easy to read form. And if you're not monitoring that database or you're not monitoring that, that marketing app, which is common, even worse. And so- we no one's it. monitoring that app. No one's monitoring that. Let's be honest. Literally, no one is monitoring that app. <laughs> you know, that marketing app that's built by the marketing team that's a bit rogue, that still mm. connects to the production database, that's an easy target to do full data extraction. And I don't need a lot of skill. I'll use an open source tool called SQL Map. Point, yeah. fire, extract, and wait. And I got all your data. And this is, this is, not, this is not made up or contrived. This is reality. We we encounter this fairly often where uh, customers will will sometimes not immediately think about those types of applications and that those those structured data sets are a treasure trove of sensitive information and and although one of the things we we really always you know kind of focus on heavily unstructured data and, and endpoints et cetera th- those marketing websites with those databases are 
and that's just not just marketing stuff. All structured data sets, they're, they're likely connected to some application, usually a web application that interacts with, uh, with, with, with people to some degree somehow. I'm with you. How about the Capital One hack of 2019? This one is really one I use in class a lot. And I think it's a very important attack. This is a attack called server-side request forgery, where the attacker was able to submit a malformed URL against Capital One's website, which allowed the Capital One website to retrieve the web application firewall credentials and then embed that in a web page and return that back to the attacker. Once the attacker had their Amazon credentials, they could then log into Amazon Web Service, move to their S3 bucket, and what do they find? Like 100 million credit card applications. You want to talk about privacy violation. You want to have to explain yourself to regulators in the world. Imagine you're a credit card company, credit card like application and, 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 yeah, and yeah. similar company. And you have to explain why because of one vulnerability in one variable, why you lost 100 million credit card applications with addresses and phone numbers and social security numbers and birth dates. That's crazy. But that's because of one vulnerability, Gabe, one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we've even talked about that example before. And we we focused explicitly on the S3 uh, side of it because there were some other issues there too. But but what you really get at there is, is the root of this is why you're on the show. All roads led back to a web application vulnerability that allowed the privacy of hundreds of thousands of people to have been exposed. And I, and, and it sounded a bit hyperbolic at the top of the show, but like literally SQL injection is responsible for more privacy violations than, than anything else on the planet. Like alone, if it were a human being, it'd be doing, you know, life somewhere in Leavenworth. Like <laughs> You better believe it. And, 20 years, over 20 years later, the problem is still not solved. The vast majority of applications that are accessing data are still doing doing SQL in some way or using a a SQL framework that isn't perfect, that still requires some kind of developer knowledge. The ideal is that we just give something to developers that has this protection built in automatically. And some of that exists, Gabe. Like in the .NET world, we have Link for SQL, which really does a good job at eliminating SQL injection. But we don't have that everywhere. And, and, and it's not perfect. We still need developers to have special knowledge. I long for a day where that's not true. But it is true today. So Jim, um, curious of your thoughts on this. Let's say you're running a company or you're new to a company and they're giving you the rights to come up with their data privacy and security program. Here's the kicker. You only have a hundred dollar budget. Where do you start? Um, I, I, I hang up the phone and go find a company who's reasonable. <laughs> Seriously. They're like, Oh, I want to do security. but I got a hundred bucks. I don't want to do any, I don't want to really invest or spend money or change my process or inter- interfere with my developers or interfere with the company or, or again, spend any real money or time on the problem, but I want security. Get a grip on yourself. This is business. <laughs> security costs money. You have to pay for security. You don't get it for free. So, you know, I, I could say things like, oh yeah, ship, 
shift to the cloud, you know, use cloud-based services for email and similar is probably going to be a more secure solution. I can point out open source solutions and similar. I can point them in different directions and we can have that conversation. But what I'm going to be thinking is, you, especially if they're a mature company, right, with, with real income coming in and a real significant size company, we don't want to invest in security. Get a grip. If you if you have a board that agrees with that, they should all be fired. The whole get rid of that whole board because any sensible board of any reasonable company will insist upon a measure of security investment. Cameron, that question made me angry. I'm now mad at you. Good. I'm Good. upset. With you. Let me twist it on you. What if it's your company? It's your baby. You don't have any money. What do you do if you don't have that in place? Which you, you probably would have if you, you got a hundred yeah. bucks. And you've got what to would you do to be creative? Spending a hundred bucks on advertising, spending hundred bucks on, on a new feature. <sighs> <laughs> I know it's really unrealistic. Get a loan. I, I don't know what this, I, I, I almost don't want to answer your question because you, you, because the suggestion that we should ignore security and not invest in it in a modern company, I think is silly. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. It's part of doing business now. Now that aside, let's say I'm running an exchange server and I have a professional that that keeps it up to date or some consultant, I would probably get rid of that exchange server and move to office 365. They're going to do a better job managing it. And I need less resources to manage office 365. Mm -hmm. That might be a step I'll do. I'll try to, and that's the big thing. I will try to reduce my infrastructure expenditure as much as I can so I don't need to maintain it. And I think the era where running an exchange server is coming to an end because mm-hmm. of what we saw in the last couple of months. I just I, I don't see a compelling reason to do that anymore. There's so many benefits to running Office 365 as a cloud service. That That's the kind of direction I would point a company that are just a bunch of cheap bastards and don't want to spend money to shift them from on-prem, difficult to maintain products and services to cloud-based ones where you and I can get Office 365 up and running for a company. In, in a rel- depending on what we ha- what the migration is going to be like, we can do that mm-hmm. in a relatively relatively straightforward amount of time with with a modest amount of resources for for a smaller company especially so that's my first answer is move them off of internal infrastructure that's good advice and you know uh, if a company is that that way it's probably because they haven't experienced um any kind of situation where they feel like security or privacy is needed and there are companies that still feel that way i i've come across them what is, your, what is your answer, Kent? When someone's like, I don't, I only have 100 bucks in budget, but I really want some security. Maybe you have better wisdom. I, I don't speak that language. I don't speak the, <laughs> we have, like, like if I'm on the phone with someone and they're like, oh, we really want secure coding education for our developers, but we have no budget and don't want to spend any money. I like, I instinctively like hang up the phone because that phone is injuring my hand. I'm like, <laughs> you know, we, you speak a different language than I do. I'm wasting my time talking to you. And I, I can point, okay, for secure coders, I'll point them to the ASVS standard. I'll point them to OWASP Zap, the OWASP dependency check product. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll point them to the cheat sheet series. And I will, all jokes aside, I will point them to open source resources and tooling 
to help them do application security. So right, let's really go there. Again, a good place to start is a standard, like the ASVS standard. These are individual requirements for security and secure coding. Next, the OWASH cheat sheet series. Again, there's like a living encyclopedia to read about, to, to, to read about uh, the details of these requirements. For security assessment, I'd point them to things like, like, please pony up and get some GitHub. You can flip on a lot of security quickly in development with GitHub. Oh, but that's expensive. All right, fine. Then, then let's go to the OWASP Zap tool. This is a dynamic scanner that's really well written. Simon Bennett's and team. And it's an active attack scanner for testing that's free. For third-party libraries, I would point teams towards um, the OWASP dependency checker from Jeremy Long at Wells. This is another open source security testing tool to check for third-party libraries uh, and, and security problems with third-party libraries. <clears throat> Three, I would point them to a free tool. One of my favorite companies that I'm affiliated with is a company called um, um, a, a product called SemGrep. I've done a lot of static analysis work and it's expensive to get static analysis tools, there's not a lot of great open source static analysis tools. There's like Breakman for Ruby on Rails, a few domain specific tools, but not something enterprise class. And then there's uh, Return to Corpse, SemGrep. Oh, I'm a big fan because of two, two reasons. It supports like 12 languages. They have a free community edition. That's, that's really a big deal to, to offer free static analysis. It's thousands of hours to build that stuff. There's no no quick way to build static analysis. And third, it, it, it runs lightning fast. So I can put it into a DevOps pipeline. Like what I mean by that is when a developer is trying to check code into a repository, I can run SemGrep in a minute or two and get usable static analysis results. So <laughs> if someone had a $100 budget and all, all jokes aside, I would point them in the direction of those three free tools for security assessment of their code and those free resources to teach their developers about secure coding from the open source world. There's an honest answer. There's a more honest answer. And, and you want my answer? <clears throat> I probably would uh, keep that $100 and say thank you for all that information. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. No, but I would I would take you out um, or it put it to a class with you teaching it and, and sharing all that information and then going from there. Or how, how about this camera? If someone came to you and said, I really want to do security, but I only have a hundred dollars. What can you please advise me? A good answer would be, I'd be happy to, but it's going to cost you a hundred dollars. That'd be, my, that's another answer you can give them. That's good. I thought that's, that was humor. That was an attempt at humor. There, Kevin. <laughs> I, would just tell them to pick I would just tell them to pick themselves up by the bootstraps. Like, you know, What's wrong with you? Stop being stop being poor, you corporation. Are you sure you're a company? <laughs> right. <laughs> you're a corporation. You're not allowed to be poor. I don't know. So Jim, let's get personal. It's like, you know, we we have our we have our latte budget. That's like two thousand dollars. We can't that's the latte budget. Hey, but but we, but Jim, we Jim, <laughs> Jim, don't don't mess with the latte budget. <laughs> what is that? A hundred dollar uh, uh rental month, monthly don't, rental don't, for the no. Next thing you know, you're gonna to want to get rid of the barista. Yeah, we can't do this. <laughs> oh, we can't get the in. We can't get rid of the in-house barista it's, who we pay it's, for. It's we this can't kind of it's this kind of social mar Marxist talk that'll get you in trouble on this show. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> that's got, hey, that's gonna be saving a lot of companies money right now from all the work from home. 
Maybe they got rid of most of them. You know, Cameron, that's rather insensitive. What about the baristas, Cameron? What about the baristas? <laughs> You're right. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, Jim, let's get personal. I love your passion. I want to know more about your thoughts on, and really, if you have a story, what, where did this come from? Like, where did you get so much passion from coding? And where, where, like, when you think of the term privacy, what comes to mind inside your head? I feel it's important to be exuberant about everything for no reason, Cameron. That's just my, I don't want to take credit. That's just my personality. I'm, I'm irrationally exuberant about everything that could be, that annoys the hell out of people sometimes, but it's exuberant. It, I it, freaking love it, that. It, it, it does describe you now. <laughs> I, I just, I'm a man. My last name is Manic. And my Manico and Manico in Italian. I'm a Sicilian American. A Manico in Italian means like to push the handle full throttle is one of the slangs. It's just my personality. And, nice. and it's, it's good and bad, right? It's, it's not, it's, it's just a, it's just the way I am. It doesn't make it's, me it's awesome. It's just who I am. But yeah, when it yeah. comes to, when it comes to privacy, what really excites me about privacy are some of the new laws that I'm sure you've talked about in your show. Like, like for example, GDPR is really the first show first law to really show up and force the hands of developers to care about privacy. Like what's and so and I especially like the subject rights that are part of GDPR, uh, which forces apps to be written differently. Like mm-hmm. before you can manage or use, before you can store or process personal data of a user, you have to get opt-in consent, especially by GDPR. And like this, this means a, a data subject they should provide consent not by opting out, but by opting in and also have the capability to withdraw that consent. So you can't just like set up a, you know, set up a site, start collecting personal data in Europe, and for that matter in California, and start using that data without informing the user in clear language. You can't use legalese, no Latin, thank you, but you got to use clear language. Explain to them what you're going to do, how you're going to store and process their data, and then get them to check a box to consent to that. Oh, that's a big deal. I mean, this is this is going after a lot of big companies who have who have been rather sloppy or at least been cagey about how, what they're doing with, with personal data. So I like that. And it's, it's also something I can very clearly explain to developers how to implement as well it's 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 pretty straightforward and like these obligations are intense you got to explain to them what how and why data will be collected the legal basis for the data collection the type of processing that's going to be performed and the legal rights of data subjects and possible recipients this is and it's got to be in clear language you have to really give up the goods Hey, I want to use your data for these exact purposes with this legal basis. This is exciting because it, it really does actually, these laws, I believe, they really do care about data subject rights and, and giving them protection that they haven't had in the past before. That's one. That, that's one. And I've seen a difference. I've seen the change that you're talking about, too, when it comes to that check mark. I feel like the those have become more simplified, at least some of the, the ones that I've come across. What I want to ask you is, what company do you think sets the best example for this besides Apple? I feel like Apple is probably one of the the bigger ones. Maybe not to your opinion, but I agree. What company? What company other than Apple do you think uh, sets a, a good example for this, and or usually always has around privacy? 
I think of the main tech companies, it's basically it's basically um, Apple and Microsoft against Facebook and Google is where the is where the war is, right? Because because Apple and Microsoft they don't they don't monetize private data. That's they monetize the building of software and hardware, and and they're not like collecting personal data and or need that as much as Facebook and Google because that that's their business, right? Their business is monetizing you and monetizing your private data. So that, that's that's where the war the war is right now, and you you can see Apple. At the time of this recording, it's April 23rd. We're going to see an update in iOS in the next couple of days. I believe it's 14.5. I think that's going to that's going to force like everyone to opt in to to private data collection and and every app. That's huge. That and Facebook, they spent a lot of money to fight this and lost. This is still going live. And it's even better, Jim. It gets even better. Apple won't make it. You can't make your app contingent upon you saying yes to opting into that data in order to be able to use the app. It's glorious. Oh, so so wait a, a second. A, you, you, if I get this right, you have to ask permission to, to retrieve sensitive data, and if yes. they say no, does the app still has to run? That's right. That's right. That now a, that is a slap a, to Facebook in such a big way. <laughs> to be fair, it sounds altruistic too, but it's so nefariously business clever. Oh yes. Well, here's the thing: the, the, if you can't do that, then you can't monetize your app via ads any longer. But Apple wants you to monetize your app via subscription. Subscription through the App Store, where they get thirty percent. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not that mad at them. Like, like I get it. Like, look again, they they pulled themselves up by their corporate bootstraps, right? I'm, 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 if you could see my face, my eyes are rolling in the back of my own head here, obviously. Um, but that this this corporate showdown war looks like it might result in quite the coup for us privacy, uh, you know, junkies. I'll I'll pay a few bucks for. I hate I hate to admit to this. But I'd pay a few bucks to use Facebook a month, not because I like Facebook, because I want to keep in touch with my family. I, I wonder if Facebook would benefit from that model where billions of people were spending a couple dollars a month to use their service. I wonder if it would still if it would benefit them. No, my guess is no. That's my guess. Data about people allows me to sell them a billion things at a dollar a piece versus taking, you know. One dollar from from uh, from all of them. I have a question. I'm just curious what you guys think about this. When when Facebook came out, do you think that their intention was this all along with monetizing data and and using it? Oh God, for advertising. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. I, okay. it, so, so Mark all but said that very early on that he's like, I can't believe people are just going to give me all of this information. And maybe at that point, he didn't he didn't quite yet realize the full potential. But he certainly did recognize early on that, oh, wow, people will give me data and data is valuable. Yeah. It, and I think that I don't know what that really says about most of the world. And when it comes to like not really caring about the data that you're just kind of giving for free and just to use this platform to talk with people and whatever it's turned into. But it's just fascinating that where we are right now with the Apple battle, that's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's an education thing. It's not so much that they're willing to give up to it, but that's why, that's why folks like Manico are, uh, that's why you exist. Educate the masses. Teach us. 
So let's go to Google. So there's a war on Google because we're coming near the end of third-party cookies, right? Mm -hmm. In the browser, we're going to see the end of third-party cookies. Another thing driven by GDPR and CCPA. GDPR mostly. And and third-party cookies are the, is the heart of how advertising works on the web. So Google is moving to flock, right? They're moving yep. to, they're going to, they're going to grab your browser history, get a profile anonymously, look at your browser history. So they understand what your preferences are and then give you a group ID and track you as a group rather than as an individual. And so th- th- this is a tech. So the browser will have a, a, a like a, a unique ID, not for you, but for the group that you're in with shared preferences, so they can still track behavior and do their marketing and similar in uh, uh, mass without specifically tracking one individual. And this is under fire by the EFF as well. So I don't know why it would be. I mean, what could possibly go wrong by putting people into different groups and treating them differently, Jim? Like, I don't understand. What's what is your objection to this plan? <laughs> Well, this is nonsense. This is Google is is made a choice where they're they're making money on collecting data about Crazy. private people and reselling it in a variety of different ways. And that that business model is, I just don't think it's the greatest of business models in the modern era. Because it, I, it, it, I just have a natural aversion to grouping people and then treating them based on the way they you put them into groups arbitrarily. I might add. Too. Well, like, <laughs> oh, is that how the world is? Yeah. This is one of the biggest problems in modern society is what you're talking about. I'm with you 100%. There's a piece of malware I've been meaning to write my entire life, and it, it will just go around and infect everyone's machine and randomly search for all for as many random permutations of Google searches I can think of just to completely throw off everyone's search history. Like that is That needs to be my contribution to the planet. And I'm reading an article here on Ars Technic where the title is, Everybody hates Flock, Google's tracking plan for Chrome ads. The EFF, Mozilla, Brave, Vivaldi, <laughs> DuckDuckGo are all saying no way to Flock and that Flock is a terrible idea. And so there's there's a, there's a pun in there somewhere. Come on. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know what to say because you know, a, a lot of really great security researchers come out of Google. From my world, where I'm trying to help developers build a secure web, strangely, a lot of the main experts in web security come from Google. Michael yeah. Spaniolo, Lucas Weichelbaum, Chris Kristoff. These are folks doing some really amazing work. Uh, Mike this West. Zero day, this zero-day program is is amazing. Travis is, uh, is an absolute beast. He is a beast. Don't mess with him. No. <laughs> is it no. Tavis Ormley? I would I wouldn't mess with him. He's no. he's a monster. He's a monster intellect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's man, they 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 do just have a team of ridiculous monster intellectuals. So you know, whatever my thoughts are on privacy, and and there's nothing I have to say that you can't see from the EFF and all these other companies discussing flock today. They have a lot of real detailed analysis on what this kind of uh surveillance of of users of Chrome, um, how it how it impacts them, but I I, I do I do res- again respect the work that comes out of Google to make the web a more secure place. No other company has done more than Google in in promoting promoting building and supporting modern web standards. 
So I, I again, I do want to give them credit for that kind of work, and I hope that their their company can survive the privacy era and make make money other ways other than collecting and reselling my private data. I, I really hope that they do survive this era. Facebook, I don't I don't care if Facebook survives this era or not. I don't. I don't think anybody does. They're doing more harm to society than not. But yeah. I, I wish we had a Facebook that did exist. But I, I would like Facebook to be seized by the government and run as a nonprofit. Wait, wait, so wait. St- hold on, hold on. Wait, no, no, don't. Because, because. The oh yeah, yeah, need- that might be a privacy problem too. Let me try that. Let me let me try that again. I want Facebook to be seized by a nonprofit pseudo militant organization to run Facebook purely from the sake of privacy without any kind of monetization needs as like a nonprofit. There you go. That's a better one. That good. Yeah. Government. Sorry. Sorry. Like, no, don't let them collect us all and there. put us into different groups. And then wait, they already do that. <laughs> <laughs> that slipped. That, that slipped out. Like, Whoa, where are you going, Jim? Sorry about that. Jim, you sure? Back, I mean, Jim. you are human. That. I think you're all right. You're human. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what they do we need we need modern communication on the web we need families and we Agreed. need communication there's one thing i don't like about facebook though is like my crazy uncle he now can find like hundreds of thousands of people who are crazy like him and <laughs> and and before in modern discourse that wouldn't happen a lot of a lot of the very extremist views they were to some degree pushed away by modern society and like that's nuts that's horrible that's racist that's sexist that's not acceptable ways to operate in the world those people now can go find hundreds of thousands of like-minded people to back up their conspiracy or anti-societal ways or racist sexist or other extremely negative opinions flat earther ways Flat, what do you wait? What are you trying to say about the oh, you're one of those round earthers, Cameron? I bet he is one of those rounders. He's one of those round earthers, looks like a rounder. He looks like a rounder, (laughs) guys. Don't talk about my head like that. Come on, and and how do you stop that? How How do you provide a platform where a bunch of racist people can't get together and talk shop? I, I, and I don't, I don't have a good answer to that. I don't know there is an answer to that one. Um, Well, I mean, isn't I mean, isn't that a way you can do it with? That one app now, the what, what's it called, the uh, Clubhouse oh, or whatever? No, there's there's racist people out there somewhere too. Look, here's the thing: they're everywhere. That's not. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. not a problem we're solving for. Yeah, but no. society was scorning. Society was scorning racist, I believe, before the current era, and now they're like out in the public, like marching in the streets, and and are now like become an acceptable political wing of the United States political system. And I feel like Alex Jones and the Facebook and the modern era helped, helped push that forward. You know what they say, Jim, if every family has a crazy uncle and if you don't know who it is, it might be you. (laughs) There you go. I know who it is. (laughs) You know what? You've identified your crazy uncle. (laughs) The problem is, is we don't have to go down this road any further, but in my opinion, I think, and I've said this before, I think there's good people and there's bad people. And sometimes you grow up in certain eras or times or with certain people around you and you just don't even know what other people go through. So I think we're moving in the right direction, but we are so far from 
where we need to be as a, a un, like a country and a like wherever, you know what I'm trying to say. I do. I just think that I just, uh, wanna, I just want to use this moment to thank Facebook for devolving society and even this conversation though into uh <laughs> thank you facebook <laughs> this you know what segment, it's ma- this segment not brought to you by the world's largest plague on society <laughs> all right we got to move into happier things all yeah, right let's, that's fair how yeah. about this let's, we go back to let's go back to subject rights Wait, hold, on, no, hold on hold on hold we, we on we got a whole thing on happy we got a whole thing on happy uh happy time whoa, whoa. Bring oh, no, wait, wait, you would you want to hit? We can f- no, talk to me. No, no, talk to me. <laughs> no, no, you, you go, you go, Gabe. Oh, it's, 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 I like this road he's going down. I, I do have, I, I was going to say, I, I got a two parter, but let's, let's talk about, because one of my other questions, Jim, was, uh, is there anything that you'd want to bring up? So let's go back to the subjects, subject yes. right eggs. I'll go, I'll go quick. So I'm, I'm going to say other, other subject rights, the right to, right to be forgotten. Yes. So if I want to wipe out my data set on your service, you have to provide the ability for me to delete all my data. Yes. That's not, if you're, that's non-trivial to support at all. Well, we know some folks that can help you with that. If, you, uh, if you're uh, interested, I know a guy who knows a guy. Just go to www. Know a guy knows a guy? Here.com. <laughs> and uh, we, yeah, we can help you with that one. I'll, I'll stop there. That, that, those, those were the basic <laughs> subject rights, the right to be forgotten, the, 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 the right to consent, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, the right to have right to export all my data as well. Yes. Like if I Absolutely. want a copy of everything you've tracked you on me, take it to another service, yes. export, export, give me that export. All right. That's it. I'm done with, I'm done with, I'm done with subject rights. Yes. By the way, look, if you want to come back did... and talk nothing but subject rights, that's what we do around here. That's, that's our thing, baby. That's, that's it. our bag. I'm into it. I came prepared. <laughs> I came prepared, Gabe, to talk to James. you. Jim, you're already a you're you're already a friend of the podcast, and you're going to be a recurring guest. So we'll we'll have another episode on that. Um, now I lost my train of thought. Mm, that's okay. Two parter, uh, and then we'll move on to our our deep dark secrets. Now I'm forgetting the two parter. Wait, you're a privacy podcast trying to ask me about my deep dark secrets? Absolutely. <laughs> yep. That's the oh, whole point. That's that's kind There's of our the thing. Flip. That's kind of our thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay. So, real quick, because uh, I know we're coming up on time, but has there anything? Two part question. Has there anything in your life affected you in a, in a way around privacy? Whether you know, example, uh, someone stealing your credit card information or something, something that you could almost tell a short story on and, and how that affected you or, and then, you know, I'll, I'll ask the second part first, but if you have a, a story on, on, on anything like that, you don't have to say it. If you don't want to, I can cut this out. I, I live my life in a very transparent way. And so I, I don't, I don't have a lot of secrets, my friend. And so like, it's like, this is just part of, again, it's not, not a virtue, not good or bad. It's just my characteristic, right? Is that, mm-hmm. I talk a lot. I'm on Twitter. When I'm having a hard day, I talk about it on Twitter and, you know, and, and debate it with friends of mine and similar. So I, I live my life in a very, very transparent way. Most people in my world know what's going on with me. And there's not too much. And I, I use email as if it's going to be compromised someday. Right. I use email. Like when someone, when my email is dumped, like 10, 20 years of it, I want someone to read all of it and look for my deep, dark secrets and say, he was actually a decent person. There's, there's not a lot of secrets we can pull from his email that we stole from him. He's actually semi-decent human being. So 
I don't have a lot of secrets. You can ask me whatever you want. Now, that doesn't that doesn't change my views on privacy law and respecting the privacy of others and mm-hmm. teaching developers about the rights of subjects, about GDPR and California and New York's upcoming privacy law. I still believe in all those virtues as an engineer and as a as a businessman. But you want to talk about privacy, go go hit my site, go hit manico.com and you'll see that I have disabled JavaScript. Go to go how about this? Go to security S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y headers.com and go and go type in my site, manico.com. Boom, A plus. That's be if you look at content security policy. I have disabled JavaScript completely. So I'm not using any JavaScript trackers. And if you look at the permission policy header, I have disabled geolocation. I've disabled microphone, camera, magnometer, gyroscope. I don't collect data on anyone. And it's my choice as a businessman. I I choose to do my marketing by participating in open source projects and discussing security on Twitter. And I get most of my business through those two activities. I give talks on podcasts. I, I tried, rather than tracking people hit my website, I, I have extreme security response headers to protect people's privacy. And I don't, I do not in any way track people use my site. It's just a marketing site, but I don't do it. And my marketing director does not approve of that. I choose to like uh, promote my company by adding value to, to community in the world of application security. And, and I, I talk awesome. about it too. I, I, I do open source work. <laughs> I helped the OWASP Foundation. Yeah, I, I talk about it. I pat myself on the back a little bit too much, maybe, but oh, I don't. Wow. I, I don't believe in tracking people who want to look at my website. I have no idea who's doing it and from where, and I feel proud of that fact. I'll leave it at that. Good you don't need it either. I mean, yeah. your confidence, your skills, and the way you teach is what's going to make you your your career continue. That's all you need. That's what I'm working on. You're selling yourself, man. And your skills. That's that's the most unique part about you. That's awesome. But I don't even think I need to ask the second question because you kind of answered it with uh, how how you run uh, your your business. I was going to say, do you have any advice on anyone and improving your privacy? But we can move on. Let's go to the dark dark deep deep secrets. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Dark deep secrets. Let's start easy with you. Um, I actually was thinking about this when you were talking earlier. What's one app that you use that you dislike, but you have to use it? I love that question. I'm going to pop that open. I'm not even going to say Facebook because Facebook lets me talk to my mom and similar. And I, I like Facebook. I like I like it what it does for my life. It lets me communicate with my family. I yep. like Facebook to find a better way to make money, though. Um Okay, this the app that I use that I really dislike and wish that I didn't use, it's gonna be TikTok. I, I'm a TikTok junkie. <laughs> it's like it's like this is something for kids or whatever. Like TikTok is so stupid. Not anymore. It, it makes me laugh so much. It's so much silliness and fun on TikTok. I admit I'm a TikTok junkie and I am thoroughly ashamed of that fact. There you go. That's fair. I think it's super addicting because it's so quick and you just swipe up and you keep going, you go down a rabbit hole. It's very easy. It's almost like a shorter YouTube. And it's I just think to your question too, Cam, it does tick that and you need it 
box, right? Like we we do need to smile and to be human and to yes. and, mm-hmm. and to engage. Yeah. So I, I part of me was about to say, wait, you don't need TikTok. And then I thought to myself, yeah, no, oh, you, need you need you need oh, to need be it. able to feel those things. So yeah, it right oh, ticks the boxes. I love the I fact get, that I go you, down the alien conspiracy TikTok. I love me some alien conspiracy TikTok. You got the Grays, you got the Nords. I, I, I'm gonna stop now, but that's, I didn't, that's my I didn't any of that was a I thing. Now I now I want to go look, but I but I won't. But I want to. Oh, alien conspiracy share that with us. TikTok is awesome. <laughs> those words share. together, just those words together in that in that <laughs> aliens conspiracy. T- <laughs> now I just pictured aliens dancing on TikTok. I I don't know. They got I that. Like too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Whatever your preferences, Cameron. Whatever you like, TikTok is kind of rule number thirty-four. <laughs> Jim, what what would you put in a time capsule that you would open up in ten years if you could put one thing in there? All of Gabe's Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'd like to put all of my Bitcoin in there too. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do don't put sql injection in there it'll still be here in 10 oh. years <laughs> Ca- capsule or no capsule <laughs> I'll, I'll say the cyber coins i think they're going to do do well long term we'll see who knows i'm more no of a traditional coin. investor i don't want to invest my hard-earned money into crazy stuff but no dogecoin please people oh those doge yeah, yeah but people who invested in dogecoin they got like more uptick in the last couple of weeks than i got in traditional conservative investment in the last 10 years buddy so it's like those dogecoin people are doing so bad and i'm on the sidelines i don't invest in cyber coins at all i dumped the last of mine recently and like i'm on the sidelines feeling a little little cyber cyber coin jealousy it's 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 hard work to not let the fomo kick in it's hard work you got to keep it at bay that fear of missing out man you get you guys. Just, I'm okay, I'm okay with the FOMO. I don't mind a little FOMO. Me too. I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stick to my plan, which is me too. I'm with you. Basic. Cheers. Uh, what what's your what's your biggest pet peeve, Jim? What really grinds your gears, as they say? I I try to live and let live. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of pet peeves. I don't think. I, I, nothing came to mind because I, again, I, I really, I try to live and let live maybe a messy household or something. I, I'm not super clean. I like to clean up the house, but oh, I try, I try not to have a lot of pet peeves. I don't know. I don't know what my pet peeves are. I'll, I'll, I'll co-sign that having known Jim for this long, he is, he's certainly one of the easiest going gentlemen I've ever met. Like it's, if, if someone came to me and told me that uh, Jim were mad at them, I'd, I'd ask them, what the hell did they do? Like, what did you do? What did you do? You deserved it. <laughs> I try to live and let live as best I can. Right. I, I, it's it's, best I can. it's not story. easy, but I try. Um, to that, this is kind of deep, but uh, when, when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? I hope that I've really made a difference in the world of secure software. I, I don't know if I am or not, for real. We'll see in the future. But I really hope that people look back on, on my life and, and like he, he really tried to help society make software a more secure and private private engineering piece of work for for the for the betterment of society because we our whole society depends on software in so many ways if we can't figure out how to do a better job at software security it's going to it's going to continue to have radically negative impacts on the on the betterment of society in general so i hope the work i'm doing really does make a difference that's awesome what's your favorite movie of all time <coughs> Fight Club. 
This is the soul of man. What's the rule? What's the rule? We are. We are. You don't talk about Fight Club. Especially since, talking about. especially since Cameron just asked you one of your security uh, re- password recovery questions. Now everyone knows. Now you have to go change it. <laughs> Is that a capital F? And then like uh, um, <laughs> to that question, if if your life was a movie, what genre would it be? Ooh. And who would play you? Ooh. These are some these are some hard questions, deep, de- delving deep into the soul of myself. Uh, it, it would be an action an action rom com. It'd be a rom com, but it'd be an action movie. And okay. who, would, who, would, who would play me? I'd want a younger Pacino, preferably. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. Or younger Brando. Brando's younger Brando would make more sense. Yes, young Brando. Like yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Like Rom com desire Brando, like yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. yes. <laughs> These are really personal questions. I feel a little. I feel my privacy. You feel seen. You feel seen. Yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like my privacy is being invaded just a little bit too. Right. <laughs> consent. I consent. It's all right. I can. Okay. Very good. Very okay. Good. 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 Last one. What What was your favorite food or snack when you were a kid? That, that no no I'm not going to answer that question. There it there. is. What about right now? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> fair. That's fair. We'll wrap it up with that. I, I, I just I just want to acknowledge my 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 right right of consent. Yes, you so, do not so, have to. So, so you turned out you turned out the food one. Sacred yes. sacred area of my life. How yes. dare you? No. <laughs> no. Don't do not go into those corners. There's some things That's better fair. left unsaid. <laughs> That's on the list. Don't. That's not, that sounds kind of like a pet peeve. It de- well, maybe. I don't no, know. no, no. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'll, I'll go with it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Discuss, <laughs> discussing food in ways I don't approve of is definitely a pet peeve. All right, I'll give it to you. No, I'll give it to you. Count it. Judges will allow. Jim, I love Jim. you, brother. Thank you. For being <laughs> on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much man. for coming on the show. It's been too long. It's good to have you. Uh, uh, you you've done yeoman's work out there for as long as I can remember in the secure coding world. And, and I'd like to thank you personally for everything you've done out there. Um, how can the people find you? Where can they find you? I'm easy. You can find me at Jim at Manico.com J I M at M A N I C O D E.com. Drop me a line anytime, please. Twitter, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Twitter, I am Manicode, M-A-N-I-C-O-D-E. Twitter is what I do it every day. It's my thing. And you, you can reach me on, on LinkedIn. I'm user J Manico, J-M-A-N-I-C-O. So Very these are ways, ways to find me across, across the internet. We'll put it all in the show notes, my friend. Thank you again for coming out. I really appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. your time, Gabe. It's great to see you, Cameron. It's great to meet you. And I wish you both Same. the best in your pursuit of of privacy. I do. I appreciate what you're all doing as well. Thanks, Jim. And we really appreciate for, you know, what you do in and out every day. And it's a pleasure meeting you and excited to, to, you know, connect with you in the future and hopefully have you back on. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Jim. Right on. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week. And to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I, I know that there are millions of other shows and, It means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then maybe make some new friends along the way. 
uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ, can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week. Thank you.